Thank you for your presence today. During his earthly ministry, Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That truth is as relevant today as it was then. If we had the mind of Christ, everything we think, say, or do would be fueled by the Spirit of God. Instead, Christians and non-Christians alike are often focused on worldly pleasures. The evidence is clear. Our emphasis is devastatingly derailed. Thus, everything God made perfect for us is broken. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander gets us back on track. Oh, and blessed be the name of the Lord. You have your Bibles? Turn with us to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38 is our text for uh, this morning. Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses 35 through 38. We're actually, we're in part 5 uh, in this series. The scripture says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And the theme of this series is where are the laborers? Where are the laborers? Blessed be God from whom all blessings flow. As we look around at the condition of America and the rest of the world, we see people who are bewildered. We see people who are distressed. We see people who are lonely in all kinds of crises, such as broken marriages, separation, divorce, people who are depressed, suicidal, homeless in nursing homes, prisons, struggling with addictions, while others are consumed with technology, virtual fantasies, and entertainment. There are many who live in pursuit of popularity, power, self-gratification, and the pleasures of this world. People are hurting. People are troubled. People need the Lord. People are sick. People are suicidal. People are at a crossroad, don't know what to do. The families are torn to pieces. Businesses are torn to pieces. People's lives are in turmoil. People are under mental stress and all kinds of things. And so I want to share with you today about it, what it means to be a laborer. And after we begin to speak on what it means to be a laborer, I want to ask you a question. Will you rise up and work for Christ today? We need to be mindful that God will not accept any kind of worker. God will not accept any kind of worker. We need to be mindful that God will not accept any kind of worker. He only accepts laborers who will do his work his way. You do not want to be deceived in your work thinking that your work for Christ is acceptable before him only to discover when you get to heaven that your work has gone up in smoke. Think about it. You come, you say you're saved, and I hope you're saved, and you come here and you have good regular attendance, 
You serve as usher, you serve as greeter, you serve on the finance ministry, or you serve uh, in the Rafa medical ministry and the youth ministry, children's ministry, greeters ministry. It's so many ministries, about 50, 60 ministries here. And then you go to heaven and then all your works are burned up. We don't want to be uh, caught in that kind of situation. So if you're self-deceived if all you've been working all of this time only to discover that your work has gone up in flames. First Corinthians chapter three, first Corinthians chapter three, verses 13 through 15 says, first Corinthians chapter three, verses 13 through 15 says, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what it is, of what sort it is. Now you got to understand this is not a judgment. This is a judgment seat of Christ. It is not a judgment to determine whether you are saved or lost. It is not a judgment to determine whether you are saved or lost. You're already in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ. It is to determine what kind of reward you will see. All your rewards could easily uh, be burned up if you serve the Lord with the wrong motive. In verse 14 says, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Will your works on earth endure or will it go up in smoke and only you will be saved, but works burned up? Verse 15, if anyone's work is burned, he will, he will suffer loss. You will lose all your works even though your soul is saved. Well, thank God you're saved, amen? You made it to heaven. But he himself, he says, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. I pose a question. What kind of workers is God looking for? What kind of worker is God looking for? Now, now, you got some saints, they're not working at all. They need to start working. But if you are working, what kind of laborers is God looking for? Number one, God is looking for saved workers. Can you imagine there are people who are working for God, but they haven't been saved by the power of God? Isaiah forty-five twenty-two says, Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God. I love that. For I am God. How many of you know God is God all by himself? He said, for I am God. I am God and there is no other. Buddha is not God. Confucius is not God. Muhammad is not God. Jesus alone is God. Money is not God. People are not God. God is God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of, of the Holy Scriptures. Acts 4.12 also says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, which we must be saved. You see, your work is in vain unless you have a personal relationship with Christ. I'm it's a wonderful thing when you can come to church on time, when you can sing glorious songs like we've just heard. The musicians play so well. The funds get processed as they should. The children's needs are taken care of. Sunday school teachers are ministering. 
But it's a sad thing when you stand before God and he says, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. Your work is in vain unless you have a personal relationship with Christ. You do not work to be saved. You work because you are saved. You can't work your way into the kingdom. If you did, you'd be boasting and bragging about how you saved yourself. We're saved by grace alone, faith alone, through Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. If you are genuinely saved, there will be a burning desire for you to work for him. The scripture says in John chapter 9 verse 4, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. This is day. While there's life in your body, while there's breath in your body, while you can move, live, and have your being, while you are in your right mind, while you can think clearly, before the days come when you can barely move, uh, you get uh, so aged that you can't function like you used to function, and then you close your eyes and go to sleep. This is the day in which you must work, my friends. The time is now, not tomorrow, right now, What are you doing for God? Now, a lot of folk talk about what they're doing, but they're not saying what they are doing. Now, the kingdom is not about talk. That's right. It's it's not about talk. It's about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, an intimate, personal, genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, doing what he has commanded us to do according to the word, adjusting our lives totally upon the authoritative word of God to the glory of God. One day we will close our eyes and die. And now some folk are retiring uh, from the work while the work is still, while there's a great need for more workers in the kingdom. I must work the works of him who sent me. Now, if you haven't been sent by God, maybe that's why you're not working. If you're not saved by God, maybe that's why you're not working. When you truly been born again, there's a heart's desire to worship him. Number two, what kind of worker is God looking for? He's looking for a compassionate worker. A compassionate worker. The love of Christ in us will move us to have compassion for those who are sick. There are sick people all around us. When is the last time you've gone to a hospital apart from your relatives? There are sick people in nursing homes. There are the poor, the downtrodden, the grieving, those who are in crises. People need you. They need your presence. They need your love. They need your words of comfort. They need your prayers. But are you available to serve people who are in distress? My friends, the church is no place for hard, stiff-necked, judgmental saints. Oh, how we need more saints in the Lord's church who are gentle, who are kind, who are tender-hearted. The church is no place for people to be mean and nasty and messy. Garbage collectors. You, you, you come with garbage and you don't leave with, with the word. It's very important that we come and receive the word and not everything that we see 
that is not right in our own eye. Only God can put within us a heart of compassion that will move you and I to serve the needs of humanity. First Peter chapter three, verses eight through nine says, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Jesus was a compassionate savior. First Peter chapter three, verses eight through nine. Finally, all of you be of one mind, the same mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessings. We're called to bless one another, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. When was the last time your compassion moved you to be a blessing to others? When was the last time your compassion moved you to be a blessing to others? A kind word. When was the last time you hugged somebody? You know, there are people who have been hugged in weeks and months. And it's sad when they can come to church and no one hugged them, no one greets them. No one smiled at them. No one said, how are you doing? Even Walmart have greeters with a smile, and they, but yet they'll put that paper so you can buy in your hand, but they're smiling while they do it. Sam's even do it. These people do it, but where is the compassion, the smile, the love, the compassion, the care in the church? Where's the hug? Where is the ministry of your presence? Sometimes when people are struggling, you don't have to have all the answers. Sometimes they just need a hug and a prayer and for them to hear you say, I love you in the midst of this and we're going to walk through this together. This might be bigger than us, but it's not bigger than God. You are going to make it. Speaking hope to them. Speaking hope, the ministry of your presence. There are times I go to funerals. I don't always get up and have words. Sometimes uh, the family members knowing that I was there or my wife was there and then we give them a hug and we give them words of sympathy and all these kinds of things. That means much. Sometimes we don't always have to talk. And sometimes when you talk too much, you say the wrong things. Have you ever said the worst of things with the best intentions? And you, you just needed to just hug the person, pray for them and just say, I'm going to give you a call. Let's walk through this together. Assisting in a time of crises. Matthew 9, 36, 8 says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. What kind of work is God looking for? Thirdly, a spirit-filled worker. He's looking for spirit-filled workers. Ephesians 5, 18 says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. And to be filled with the Spirit is to be under the control of the Word of God. Saints who are full of the Holy Spirit will be compelled by the Spirit to completely give of themselves to the work of the Lord. Those who are full of the Holy Spirit will bear much fruit for Christ. Now, some folk are full of the Spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. It's alcoholic spirit. They got spirits, a variety of them, and they're crazy in the head. They can't think. They're under the influence. 
But how much more must we be under the influence of God? To be under the control of the Holy Spirit, listen at this. To be under the control of the Holy Spirit is to allow God to be the center, at the center of your thinking. It's to allow God to be at the center of your thinking. It is to ask God, what would he have you to do? It is to pray to God, to live in dependence upon God, to allow the Holy Spirit to direct your life, to guide your life, to even tell you no, to keep you from making a mess of your life. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I love that passage. John 15, 5. Without me, you can do what? Nothing. Number four, God is looking for passionate laborers. He's looking for passionate laborers. You have some, some labors. Well, I guess I better come up. I better, I better get down to the church house. I haven't been there in three Sundays. I better show my face. That's not passion. If you come here 15 minutes late every Sunday, that's not passion. If you leave here before the benediction every Sunday so you can be the first one out of the parking lot because you don't want to be in a jam, that's selfishness. That's not passion. That's not passion. God is looking for passionate laborers. Colossians 3.23 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Beloved, you do not work to be seen of people. The word of God says it right there. Colossians 3.23, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. You work as to the Lord and not for people. Not for your friends. Not for influential people. Beloved, you do not work to be seen of people. You're not, you're not working in the kingdom to impress people. And you're not working in the Lord's church to receive commendation from people. Passionate laborers are those who seek first the kingdom of God, who possess zeal from God, fervency from God in their labor for Christ. They are not lazy. They are not inconsistent and they are not unreliable. A passionate worker is one who is not lazy, one who is not inconsistent, and is one who is not unreliable. Number five, Christ is looking for focused laborers who are not easily distracted by noise. It's a noisy world. And if you're going to serve Christ, if you're going to labor for Christ, you have to have your mind made up to serve and work for Christ. You have to have your mind made up to do the work of the ministry because there are family members who will distract you, friends who will distract you. Uh, there's technology out there to distract you. There's music out there to distract you. Your own things to do will distract you from doing the work of God. Things to do. A noise, busyness will distract you. People will distract you. Your friends will distract you. Nothing should separate you from the love of God, my friends. Luke chapter 10, verses 41 through 42 says, And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Martha has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Let me tell you something. One cannot be pulled into many directions and expect to make spiritual progress in the kingdom of God. 
You can't be all over the place, here and there, here and there, here and there, and then expect to make progress for God. You got to press on. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus. You got your marching orders. You can't go to the left or the right. You got to stay right in the center of the word of God, the will of God, and prayers unto God. That's how you remain focused. One cannot be pulled into many directions and expect to make spiritual progress in the kingdom of God. Number six, the Lord is looking for workers who are full of the word. The Lord is looking for workers who are full of the word. This is the kind of worker God is looking for. Colossians chapter three, verse 16a, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, some lives are full of sin and sexual immorality. And uh, there are people who are having premarital sex. There are those who are full of pornography, who are full of anger, who are full of bitterness and unforgiveness. But if you want to have a rich life, a productive life, a life that brings value to God and value to others, it is critical that we let the word of Christ dwell in us. How? Richly. Laborers who are full of selfishness, laborers who are full of spiritual pride, laborers who are full of of a competitive spirit, laborers who are irresponsible, who have a sense of entitlement as if the church owes them something, will wreak havoc in the Lord's church. You don't want to be an irresponsible worker. You don't want to be an entitlement worker. You don't want to be a selfish worker. You don't want to be a worker who is full of spiritual pride. You don't want to be a competitive worker. You're trying to compete and outdo somebody. You got to realize our goal is not this. The being in the church is not sports. It is not sports. We're not here to compete. There are no referees in the house. I mean, we are a team. We are a family. We are the body of Christ. We are to work together in the unity of the spirit. We are here to pray for one another, to love one another, to bear one another's burden. We are here to be at harmony with each other, not to compete, not to outsing, outdo, or feel intimidated because somebody looks a little more gifted than you are. Thank God for what he has deposited into you and what he has deposited into you. Let him work it out of you into the life of the body of Christ to the glory of almighty God. The word of God cannot dwell in us richly until we hear and obey the word of God and allow it to bring our lives into conformity with him. Only then can we be glorified in our work. What kind of work is God looking for? What kind of work is God looking for? God is looking for uh, growing workers. Say growing workers. God is looking for growing workers. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 18a says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growing workers. Beloved, do you realize that a refusal to grow in Christ is disobedient and sinful? Now, nobody, 
Uh, people, very few people see that in this manner. Do you realize that a refusal to grow is disobedient to God and sinful before God? God has commanded us to what? Yeah. Oh, you know, you're saying grow. You said it so we grow. God has commanded us to grow. No, a little bit louder. God has commanded us to grow. Your baby is not 20 years old, still crawling on the floor. Hopefully he's not, unless there's something physically wrong or abnormal. But if he's a healthy child, that child is eating, drinking, everything in the house. And then when they become teenagers, they really eat. You wonder, their stomachs become a bottomless pit at your expense, mama and daddy. They are growing, boy, developing girls. They are growing and growing. And all of a sudden, you look like they can eat soup off of your head because they are what? Growing. But you know what? That same analogy ought to be transferred in the spiritual kingdom. We ought to be growing. We ought not be pygmies for God. We ought to be giants for God. We ought to be giants for God. Growing spiritually we ought to be growing spiritually mature saints. That's what he's calling us to be, growing spiritually mature saints. You see, my friend, growing spiritually mature saints are not messy. When you're growing, you're not messy. That's a sign that you're still a spiritual baby, when you can throw rocks and hide your hand. You, a, sign you, a sign that you're not growing is when you say, huh, why do I have to give tie 10% out of my income? You ought to be over that by now. A sign that you're not growing is that you're a professional whiner. You cry, baby. Your feeling is easily hurt. Somebody just look at you the wrong way. You are, you gone. We can't, we really can't find you. You good and gone. And I asked, you know what? I haven't seen some sauce. They said, oh, she's been gone six months. I say, really? Somebody mispronounced her name. <laughs> I'm just making that up now. This is an analogy. Don't take that serious. You try to figure out who it is. That was, that was just an analogy. Okay. Don't try to figure. <laughs> I mean, I'm just giving you some analogies to let you know that people leave over in a little whimsical thing, and then yet you can get on that job, they cuss you out. They let folk go and give you more work. They overwork you, underpay you. You sweat it out, and you stay right on there. But you get to the Lord's church, somebody just breathe on you, and you faint. The Bible tells us to fear not, for God is with us. Be not dismayed, for he is our God. He will strengthen us. He will help us. He will uphold us with the right hand of his righteousness. We must not be afraid, nor ashamed, nor slothful. We must be bold. We must be willing. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. God is able, and he won't fail. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching, or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.